0: This is the ISSP podcast, the International Society for Sports Psychiatry, or ISSP, aims to carry the science and practice of psychiatry to the athletic community. My co-hosts and I are all medical trainees between medical students and resident physicians who plan to specialize in psychiatry, and we host conversations around the intersection between mental health and sports. Welcome. Okay, we welcome today Foyer Aluokun. The newly inked NFL linebacker of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Not only is he recently signed, but my man is coming off of being the reigning leading tackler of the NFL. Uh, Foyer was originally drafted the sixth round to Atlanta Falcons coming out of the prestigious Yale University. Um, he was sure to rep his hometown of St. Louis and John Burrow School. Um, you might have heard one of heard of one of his high school classmates, uh, Ezekiel Elliott of the
1: Cowboys. Welcome, Foyer. Thanks for coming on, man. Thank you for having me. Definitely an honor to be here. Talk it, talk it up with you guys, chop it up and stuff. So appreciate you having me.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we're really excited to to talk today about your your process and your journey and everything. Um, serious athletes, when we get into sports, we all have dreams of getting to that highest level, right? We don't know exactly where it's going to be or where we'll have to, you know, take our exit at some point. But we certainly don't get in not to continue to compete as we go along. And for you, that's the NFL, right? So right. at some point, the journey and the the shot of having a chance to the NFL became a reality. I'd love for you to just take us through what that what that process of like when it certainly became a possibility for you to reach
1: the highest level. Yeah. Um, it's really kind of my, my process was kind of weird. Just in high school, I always wanted to play basketball in college. That's kind of how I always start the story. I wanted to play basketball. And then um obviously you mentioned Zeke, he was getting recruited for football. Um, I guess other schools saw me through him uh, and they were very interested in me too. Well, I, I don't know about Barry, but they wanted to, you know, check me out further. And our coach at the time was a, a NFL player been in the NFL for over 12 years, maybe uh, Gus Perot. He was a pro bowler at one time. So a lot of the coaches, you know, were talk to him um, after, you know, not hearing back from me. And the reason they didn't hear back from me is because, would send things in the mail and my brother who was two years older used to get letters in the mail um from like you know random schools uh a lot of these bigger schools sec schools you know arizona arizona state type schools but they're really just like ads to you know submit your application here so my dad would like throw those away but really they were like recruiting letters from these um colleges trying to get me to junior days and all that stuff so Eventually, Coach Farad hit me up like, yo, why aren't you responding to these letters or you know, why aren't you getting back to these coaches? And I said, I didn't get any letters. I don't know what you're talking about. So he kind of took his recruiting under um, his own wing for me. And then he said, you know, where you want to go? Well, my dad and my mom definitely pushed education on me from, you know, they're Nigerian. So kind of the the immigration, uh, you know, immigrant parents, you know, they're very hard on their children, uh, you know, because they want to succeed, succeed in life. So... Uh, they've been pushing education, and that was their goal, to get their kids to the Ivy League schools. My brother had ended up going to WashU, which is a very good school in its own self, in St. Louis. He's probably smarter than me. Um, but then Coach Rod said, you know, what schools do you want to go to? And I said, I want to go to Ivy League. Like, that's all it was. And then so he sent my tape up there, and then uh, within two weeks, they got back to me and, you know, kind of had offers from all over the Ivy League, like basically every school. Dartmouth offered me last, so I had no chance going there um little big on <laughs> Uh but you know as soon as i got there um you know i, I chose to play football over basketball uh just because the numbers were just way smarter to do that so it wasn't like oh i'm chose football because you know i love the game more than basketball No, it's just like i felt like i could go farther in football i wanted to lift and get bigger you know more teammates more connections it's more opportunity for myself playing football at an ivy league school than playing basketball i felt like and as I got there, you know, I just love sports so much that freshman year, I played corner. I did well. I ended up being a um, FCS All-American for freshman team. Um, so that's when our coaches kind of came up to me and said, you know, you keep getting better. Keep, you know, pushing yourself. You can have a shot to make the league. Well, obviously, you don't have as much funding in football and stuff as these other schools to where, you know, you keep getting better and better just by being in the program. You kind of have to work on it yourself. So I'll go home. You know, these kids got spring break, some of the kids going, you know, out the country and cool places and stuff with the families. So I would go home to St. Louis and just work out and just, you know, try to focus on what I, I can do. The summers, whether I had to stay up at school and intern or something, that's how I felt like I was making better and better at football for what I thought was better and better at football. And so by the time second year hit, you know, then obviously went to third year, you know, things were getting really – I wouldn't say easy for me, but I felt like I was, you know, one of the top players in the Ivy League until I had gotten hurt uh, that third year um, after Mm -hmm. a pretty game over Colgate, right? Blocked two field goals, had like a pass breakup, Um, did 10 plus tackles. Like, I was like, wow, this year's about to be really easy. I broke my thumb in the middle of the game. I thought it was just a bruise, but you know, I kind of just wrapped it up and, and then kept playing on it. So I needed surgery. You know, that week, got some surgery, was out another week, and they put a cast on it and stuff. And we had a game after that against Dartmouth. So I, we, had, we had a game against Lehigh. And I said, you know what, Coach, I'd rather just go out there and play so I, I'm, I'm not rusty going in the Ivy League play. But I made that decision on a Thursday. Um, By I hadn't really practiced with my club and stuff yet. So I went out we against Lehigh, I think second play of the game. I blitzed off the edge tried to tackle the quarterback ended up just whacking him in the chest slash neck area and tried to make the tackle he kind of ran through my arm tackle because I couldn't grab him and then ended up popping my uh my shoulder to where my peck had snapped and I was out for the year um and that kind of sucked because you know I was just thinking like I had no like usually I like set plans like now it's just a lot of unknown and my coach did a good job of coming up to me after the game and saying, you know, it could be a good thing. We'll just get you red shirted this semester or this year. You injured yourself early enough in the year. We can just scratch the year and you'll have an extra year to play. So I say, yeah, that's cool. But as like, as the season went on, I already signed that, you know, red shirt, basically red shirt paper. You know, one of my uh, high school coaches back home said, why don't you think about transferring to like a bigger school? Like, you know, you're a pretty good player. I was like, I didn't think of that. Well, it's already too late. I'm, already said you know red shirt year you was scratching it and um my i wasn't going to come back next semester for school that's out kind of the ivy leagues red shirt um but i didn't really think about grad training, but you know ended up being a blessing because you know you're graduating for somewhere you got to reprove yourself to coaches you don't know the defensive scheme like it's a lot of um unknowns like that, that i don't like going into that and i got to keep um you know, playing Ivy League where I knew I was going to play. And then eventually I got to show that I was, you know, pretty dominant over these other athletes, which ended up giving me good film. So it got better. We had the worst year of my career. The the season I got back, which would have been awful if, you know, I was trying to use that film to transfer to a bigger school, because I think we went three and seven. We ended up being Harvard at the end of the year, but like as a whole, the, the year was just you know, awful. I tried to play, they tried to move me to linebacker from safety that year, but our safety get, ended up getting hurt. So I went back to play safety probably too heavy, and then you know, our team just, the pieces just didn't fit as well as we thought they would. Um, but, you know, that's God's grace that I got hurt because I got to come back another year to where I said, you know, I got actually three credits left, but you got two seminars or one class just three, where I usually take four or five classes a semester. I'm taking three. I'm just going to you know the social aspects of Yale have already seen it. All my best friends are graduating. I'm just gonna focus on football. I'm gonna focus on school to where I can just, you know, completely be all in on football enough. So uh, that year is probably the best year I had, not statistics wise, but just like athlete dominant wise. I focused on, you know, my training, my eating, my sleeping was better. Um, you know, I hydrated more with water instead of Sprite. Um, I Really, just became a, a better athlete there, and, and it, it was the, the film that I needed to in order to you know, put myself at least on the map as well as I could. And then eventually, I had to go out to um, after that year it ended, I basically graduated, so I had the whole spring semester, what would have been a spring semester off to myself. And I thought I was going to intern to be honest, to stay around Yale just in case you know the NFL thing didn't work out. And that's when my High school coach Gus had called me again. He said, you know, if you really want to make the NFL, I think you have a chance. I was like, that's a lot of thank you. I appreciate that coming from a guy that's played that long. He's like, I think you're a great athlete. Send me over your film. He saw it. So I'm going to send this to this trainer out there in Colorado. Um, he trained Christian McCaffrey ever since he was little. That's how he became the the guy, the athlete he was today. I said, all right, like, I don't know who he's talking about, but here, here you go. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's good enough how- to fight off for me, right? <laughs> <laughs> He's pointing out all these things that he thinks are, are great. He's like, Oh, this trainer's gonna love you. I said, Well, oh, that's cool. Thank you. So he sends it over. And then the trainer calls me and said, hey, you gotta come out here because I think I can, you know, optimize your chances into making it. And this isn't like me trying to get money off of you. Like we will charge you, but I just think that, you know, our classes are full, but I'm taking you in because, you know, you have a good chance. Like I'm helping him, he's helping me right. at the same time. Um right. so I get there, I leave Yale kind of. But then the next week, I just leave Yale. I pack up all my shit and stuff and just, I think I do drive. I might have have left my stuff with somebody at that that point. And then I eventually get St. Louis, drive out to Colorado for the first time. And then I didn't have no money to like pay for housing. So one of my high school um, or little league coaches knew a a family out here who I actually stay with every time I'm here. I'm here here in their basement right now. They let me stay in their basement. Um, Got to be great, you know, relationship with them. And, uh, you know, they basically helped me out a lot to where I could just, you know, it's right next to the facility that I train at basically. And I just go over there. I had nothing nothing else to do here, but like train and, and get better and then come home and eat and sleep, and then go back, train, get better. So my numbers when I got there to where I ended were just like a phenomenal, I wouldn't say a big change, but you know, they just kept getting better to where I, I peaked at the right time. I had the whole science down, I ran my 40, spectacularly and everything was just it's like putting on a show at our pro day that we had for me so you know I had a lot of, uh, of respect for everybody who helped me out in the process and I always pay it back to them so um but basically the name of the game from the time I committed for football to the time I left Colorado was just like I'm just trying to get better like it wasn't no uh big you know people told me I had chances I didn't even know if I had chances I saw a guy named Tyler Varga. Two years before me, before I graduated, I thought he was the best running back I ever played against. I told Zeke that early in my uh, Yale career. Zeke laughed at me and said, no, this guy, I would tackle you. I would not tackle this guy. And I see him in practice every day. He didn't get drafted, probably because he had like a foot injury or something along the way that he didn't run his 40 at his pro day, but he didn't get drafted. So, you know, I'm thinking here, like, damn, like, this guy, I thought he was the best person I've seen in person ever. And here he is not getting drafted. Like, the NFL guy just must be you know out this world like way better than I am and so I see Zeke get drafted at four overall I was running I was so mad I had to go do a group project for econometrics which a class I did not understand what was going on but it was a group project so I showed my face over there and literally as I'm running to the um library that's when he gets drafted like I just feel my phone keep buzzing 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 I don't even go to the library to study so I'm already mad and then I missed him actually get drafted so I'm mad but it was really that point that was during the um I was in a sling and stuff like I I just missed the year of football like that was the point that I was like you know if he can get drafted like fourth overall and become the superstar then there's no reason that I couldn't have a shot in the league and then you know double down on coaches saying that the trainers saying that um my uh, high school coach playing the league saying that, like, it just became, that became my goals. Like, I like sports too much. Obviously I was an econ major. I didn't know what was going on in the econometrics. Like I'm not the best in the world at econ. I can be one of the best in the world at football. You know, that's what I think Yale is about, which I wish they would get more money to a- athletics there, but I think it's, you know, finding your genius, finding what you're better at than everybody else and perfecting it. And for me, I'm better at football. I'm better at sports than most people in the world. So you know, that's what I wanted to, to to take into my profession. But, but it wasn't no, like, as my goal when I was little was, like, make the NBA. I wasn't going to make the NBA. Now it's just, like, keep getting better at what I love, and that's football. And it just happened to be that I made it to the NFL. So once I got to the NFL, you know, it's like, if I don't keep getting better, I'm going to get cut because I was a six-round pick. Um, you know, people told me that's basically the same as being a free agent. That's that late. Like, they have a little bit of hope for you, but it's really no um, guarantees there. And uh, I knew that if I didn't perform well, you know, I wouldn't be in, in, the, in the league. So whatever I had to do the first year, I played special teams, played my ass off on special teams, um, do whatever for the team. Second year, I'm trying to become a better and better linebacker. Third year, finally got my opportunity to start. And that's two years, like just playing special teams. I got to start sometimes with injuries and stuff. So people saw that I could play. But if I played this way I played my first two years, my third year, I'm not going to set myself up the way I am now. So I really wrote on the, on my mirror. I write my goals? I don't write like number goals on the mirror, like stats goals. I wrote on the mirror, I said, um, special teams player or 10 million plus. Now it's after my, in my third year in the league, I said special teams or 10 million plus. I think 10 million was a lofty goal, but it was a goal of mine. Like what kind of player do I want to be? Do I want to be a, a well-respected NFL player? Or do I want to be a guy who just, you know, gets on teams and then, you know, I have to switch teams every other year, like, and there, are, I know a lot of guys like that, that, that we have the same personalities, me and those, like, kind of the special teams guys, because we all came from the same place, but um, it's the effort, the work ethic that I feel like I put in that made me into that, you know, 10, now it is really 10 million plus dollars a year. And um, I'll never forget this, you know, me being the special teams guy, that's who I am. Just, I worked into that mold, that, 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 that group that gets to get that amount of money. But, Um, You know, I put so many things on that mirror. I said, you know, got to create turnovers, got to get tackled, you know, got to become a leader, got to do this. And every morning when I wake up brushing my teeth, I would see that stuff. And even if I was tired, like sometimes I'm like, so stupid, I put this on the mirror, but like it worked every time. Anything I put on the mirror comes into fruition. So. um, You know, there's a couple of
0: themes that come out of your story that I feel like student athletes can really appreciate. One is focus and the other is sacrifice. I wonder if you could tell us more about what that is like trying to balance schoolwork and football, going to one of the best colleges in the country, um, but also again,
1: trying to keep your football teams alive at the same time. Yeah, uh, sacrifice really exemplified um, in that, sem- that last semester I had without my friends and stuff. Um, first three years of year, I, w- I was good at football, I was good, we were a good team, decent team. Um, but that last year we went three and seven with all my friends, like that off season we partied a lot. We were told we were supposed to be, we were probably like one or two preseason Ivy. We, we just thought it would be easy. Um, as I said, I drank a lot of Sprite. It was water. Like I would come in from spring ball. First thing I'd do, just get a cup full of Sprite and drink it. Like really going into that last year where I said, you know, I've made enough social connections and all that. But my best everything I had a really good semester academically and football wise was when I just yeah, said like, I'm only going out to like places that I need to go. Like I've seen enough people, I don't need this partying and shit. like Yale's a very fun place. People don't realize like how fun it can be, um, but I just didn't need it. Like I wanted to focus on what I, what would really get me to the next level. And luckily I had four years of, you know, drinking and stuff. That's already a college full. So like, why would I need five? I I felt fine, not, not partaking in that type of stuff but it really like you know push my my game and my even my academics to the next level but one thing I always tell kids like going to Yale and, and even in high school I say why don't you just take care of your academics so that um that way you can fully focus on the sport uh, people are like what do you mean like if I focus on academics then I don't have no no when you focus on staying on top of your homework you know make good making good grades on tests like they it don't compile in your mind. Like if I'm behind on homework and stuff, I'm thinking about the homework. If I have a bad grade the test and a test I'm like sad, like it really takes away from your energy that you have things on the field when you're behind off the field. And uh, it could be academics. There could be other things in your life. When that focus, when part of your energy is like negative on something else out there, you can't put all the positive energy in the football because football is a very tough taxing sport. People think we just run into stuff, but it's probably the most mental sport that that there is out there in terms of what you have to do in split seconds and what you have to do and um, the expectations that are always put on you. Uh, cause if you've messed up, like your partner probably is gonna mess up cause you're not in the right place. So um, there's so much that goes into like the mental aspect of football that it, if you're if you're not sacrificing off the field, like to be perfect on the field, a lot of times you're just gonna, now you're just negative in both ways and, and that you just don't wanna be there.
2: Yeah, and like to that point, like it's really dope to hear you talk about the mental aspect of the game that you could use to kind of, you know, take your physical attributes to this next level. Um, and and I wonder, from my perspective, it feels like the the what Ivy League players, those who can reach the top, can bring to the table is, I mean, just as Roy brought, like brought up, that having to be able to balance all these things, having to have the regimen to handle the, the the rigorousness of classes as also the rigorousness of, you know, D one athletics. Um right. And there's a, there's a, I mean, there's a a solid amount of Ivy League players in the league. I mean, there's yourself, there's JC Treader, um, there's Jaden Graham, there's uh, Justin Watson. Like there's a number of people who had made it. And while I can't say I know what allowed them to make it to the league, for you personally, what is it that gave you or has enabled you to continue having success? What do you fall back on?
1: I think Ivy League athletes in general just, if they can make it, have a, a good shot of having a longevity in the league just because they know what to do to make them successful. Um, like, th- Let's say just starting in the classroom, I don't think, you know, I didn't get in a 36 on my ACT. I got a 30. I got two perfect scores and then two scores that weren't perfect, but it ends up rounding up to a 30. But that being said, I wasn't the smartest kid in every – on all the classes, but I still went in there making A's and B's, and that's just finding ways to be successful, like finding what you need to do to study, finding what you need to do in order to make the grade. That's what I think Ivy League athletes are good at. So when we can make it to the league and they finally say, all right, you're athletic enough, you'll have this shot, it's like, you know, I'm not the most athletic, I'm not the most ta- gifted, talented here, but I'm going to find a way in order to do what I need to do to stay. I'm going to find a way to be successful. And um, you know, every Ivy League player that i meet out here is like i kind of all have that same mindset like um you know they told us what we weren't we we're good enough but they told us we're not the best so like how do i i'll find a way to mask myself into being the best like i might not you know be god-given the best but we're going to find a way to you know be considered one of the better players out there and um that's just big because you know that's taking in like oh maybe i'm not good at this i'll you know make my way on special teams while i learn how to be good at this So you know, do this for the team while well, they learn how to, that's what a lot of guys that come in the league don't understand is that, oh, you know, you're this cool-ass college receiver or something, but, you know, in the NFL, everybody is a cool, you know, they're the best at what they did. So now how are you going to either, if you're not that, you know, God-given Josh, what's his name, Josh Gordon, where you can smoke your way off of three teams and always come back, like how are you going to make your impact on the team where you can, you know, stay on the, in the league for a whole bunch of years, while you might not play right away at first. Um that's why I think Ivy League athletes always bring to the table they're really going to find their way into in being successful.
3: Yeah, and it, it sounds like I mean you just kind of just took advantage of every opportunity that was in front of you. I mean that that's one of the biggest things uh, I think young athletes have to keep in mind. You know, it's just if if there's an obstacle or if there's something you know in front of you, it's just tackling it with everything that you've got. And it sounds like that that's what you did, you know, coming up from the Ivy League. Um, and not being heavily you know uh, recruited so what's kind of like your how do you prepare yourself mentally when you go into a competition Um, do you ever have doubts like oh I'm not ready for this type you know of player to play against or uh, I am ready for this like what's kind of your process there
1: Uh, people hate like especially like um, positive people hate me because I'm the most negative positive person in the world like Negativity really like fuels me, just cause like that. That just like I get really. I wouldn't say I get down on myself. But I get really into when people like doubt me, and, and I, I always make up a narrative that like, oh, you know, I don't think I'm this good. I don't think but that makes me work harder. That's been my way since I was little. Like my dad told me I wasn't smart enough for this for that. Like he knew I was smart. He made me. You know, we're education until we die. But he used to tell me things. I'd be like, oh, I'm not ready for this. That that made me study harder for the test. though. oh. You know, let's say I'm playing against a really good receiver. Oh, he's too the I'm going to go work on my footwork harder for the next year. Like, like people try to flush these positive thoughts into yeah. my head. but Me knowing me, like I can't, I don't want to be complacent. I don't want to be told I'm good. I want to be told what I need to work on because that makes me work harder. Um, so mm-hmm. I have a lot of doubts before the game. I'm sitting there nervous as hell. But, you know, eventually because I worked, because, because I'm so nervous, I work hard. And then. You know, at the start of the game, I just tell myself, you know, just play the game that I play because I put in all this work and hard and, um, and effort that uh, if I just fall back on that, it's just proven time and time and time again since I was little that that, that does the trick. So um, yeah, I'm very positive and it's like I have a lot of self-confidence, but if you just hear me talk about myself, like it just sounds like I'm, I'm very negative, but it, it does cause a lot of stress because I'm, that's the stress that helps me. Um, elevate myself but I can get pretty down on myself like oh I don't think I'm going to make it I don't think you know but at the end of the day I do it's not like I know but it's what helps me get to where I need to be.
3: For sure and how how do you kind of uh, or would you say that those negative that stress motivates you more or like some of the positive things that have happened in your career you know leading the league in tackles this like past season signing that big bonus does that motivate you more or of you know the negatives what you've been through your experiences
1: talk to me more about that um this is probably the first time in the league that i've been recognized like that where they finally mm-hmm. gave me the contract so the whole I mean, it's probably the most stressful year in the in, in sports for me just because i put all that stress on myself like oh I'm, even when you're getting a lot of tackles now you have people saying oh you're only getting the tackles because oh you're only getting that because your offense isn't ever on the field you're getting the tackles because you know your defense isn't doing well through hours on the field it's like they don't they they're not even consistent with their thoughts but at the same time it's like that kind of fuels me to say oh i'm not doing well enough i'm not doing well enough." well now when i don't know where i'm about to play next year and i don't know what the contract is going to come it's a lot of unknowns that i hate and it's like shit like what do the coaches think like are the coaches thinking what these guys on the internet are saying or you know are the coaches you know thinking i'm playing well i don't know i don't know i got to play better eventually one of the our defensive coordinators said you know you're doing hell of a job this year like I'm really proud of you you're going to get everything that you deserve and I'm like I don't even know what I deserve because I haven't been told how good I was um so this has been really stressful until you know kind of right into free agency where my agent is telling me like you know oh you're going to get this and that I'm like I don't know what you're talking about because I've heard a whole bunch of different things that aren't that And, uh, you know, now we're calling up all these teams and they said, you know, you did a really good job. My first question to my Falcons GM at the end of the year was like, you know, what do I need to do better at in order, you know, for you guys to think that I'm a a cornerstone of the defense? He said, that's amazing that you asked that. Um, I haven't looked at all the film, but, um, you know, that's the kind of guy you are. That's the character you are. Really, it's just me like saying, you know, all these people have all these doubts about me. I'm trying to erase them. I'm trying to erase my own doubts about me. I'm trying to find out what I need to do in order to be that 10 million plus dollar guy, and um, you know it all worked out, but it was just a very stressful, stressful year. Just could trying to answer unknowns while they're still being unknown. I hear you say that you thrive
0: off negativity, right? And that's you know it's kind of something that's out, out there. It's meme sometimes, um, but too much of that self doubt can lead to imposter syndrome. We have like imposter syndrome being where you doubt your own skills as a fear of being exposed as fraudulent, right? um self-doubt could be predictive towards someone's mental health and ultimately it can poorly affect your performance so how do you avoid imposter syndrome and do you experience imposter syndrome
1: yeah um i think i understand what you're talking about because i remember sophomore year i was still a corner at the time uh so we're playing a guy who was in the, the nfl prospect um at fordham and i think the second play of the game he took me deep for 60 yards toast to me and then the rest of the game i couldn't get out my own head saying like oh you know, I don't, I don't think I'm in it. I don't think I'm good enough. Like, and that's an NFL guy. That's where I want to be. And he just really killed me all game. Like, they had record-breaking game on us. And they just kept on throwing it over the top of us. And um, so I went home at that game. And I just really, I didn't know if I wanted to play football anymore. Not that I would ever stop playing. But I was just like, bro, I don't think I'm good enough. I don't think, you know, I was really just down on myself for about a week. And I came back to practice eventually during the week. And I said, you know what, um, two ways you can go is probably what started it. I can, you know, keep sucking or I can get better. And um, it's, it was humbling. It's like, all right, I had all this recognition last year for FCS this and that. And here comes a real dude and I'm just not good enough. So there's two ways you can go. I can keep sucking or get better. And um, anytime I kind of hit that, those doubts, it's, it's, that's kind of the question I ask. It's like not, oh. You're always going to be in this place it's like you have the opportunity to get better go get better um but i understand for sure that cause I've, I've been there where you, the, the the doubts kind of compile on you and now all of a sudden you just don't think you're good enough you don't think that you can ever get to the space that you need to be like it's kind of a mix like i'll come out of that shell a little bit and say you know what and i said i'm very confident in myself i said you know what i'm doing really well at the end of the day you Now i went to yale i graduated from yale i'm in the nfl I'm, Starting now, like, that's already crazy. And then, but there's always always another place to go. And that's where it's like, I let the doubts come in. Um, oh, can you get to that next step? Can, I don't think you're good enough to get it next. Well, go prove them. Like, go prove it wrong. When I don't feel other people pe- saying like, oh, you're not good enough, I'll, I'll make it up. Like saying, like, I need to get better. Uh, but I definitely understand that uh, it's a dangerous line that I walk on. You just got to make sure you have enough positive thoughts in there to, uh, you know, be happy uh pursuing that that better aspect of you.
2: It is a fine line in that there's some aspects of questioning yourself that could be, you know, become positive, like, all right, if I have whatever self-doubt I have, let me, you know, do whatever work I need to do so I can erase those doubts. You know, able to create like small goals of if I notice this was wrong and I or I feel people are doubting these skills, who can I reach out to? Who can I talk to? What trend is what like who do I need to bring into my circle to help me improve upon those things? that's making you better overall. Um, so it's, it's awesome to hear that it seems that you're able to do more of that than not, you know, focusing on whatever you see as, as things that you can elevate, having people in your corner, having the coaches who are talking to you giving you the feedback that you need and and converting the things that could lead to, you know, in a more negative space, imposter syndrome, also the opportunity for you to ultimately see you accomplishing over the goals, over the boundaries that, you know, saw in the past.
0: You know, I was going to say, um, we find ourselves at an interesting point now, right? Because you spent all this time kind of proving the doubt is wrong, proving to yourself that you can do it. And now you find yourself being rewarded for where you're at and where they project you going in the future.
1: So, what's that like now, kind of having the expectations coming with a big deal? Like, people ask me my goals in the NFL, and it's never stats and numbers. It's always, you know, just being respected as a good player. And um, that is definitely like the highest way that you can know like I don't really care that much about the money to be honest with you because there's people coming up to me and saying that you know I'm a good player I got what I deserved and this and that like coaches coming up and saying you know we want you but you know you played too well for us to afford you and it's just like wow that's crazy because I really could have went to a lot of different teams my agent had said if I just played worse Um and I that's that's Crazy, like that. People really came up and said that I, I'm a I'm a good player. Like that really just makes me happy. But at the same yeah. time, like, after I signed the contract, like people were like, oh, you overpaid him. Ooh, that's made me so happy to see because that's all I needed. Like more, you know, reason to keep pushing. And there was definitely a lot of talking. Like, why don't you sign a? Or my agent and I were talking back and forth. Five year deal worth over a three year deal. And there's obviously a lot of upside to a five year deal where you get more guaranteed right right at the start. Um, but a three-year deal, if you play well for like two of the years, you have another chance to re-up. So you ended up getting more in your um, five years of playing than than a five-year deal if you do the three-year deal right. But it just gives me more motivation because I like just like how in the four years um, I said, you know, I want to make that next contract look good. The same year with this same thing with this three-year deal. It's like I want to play well enough to earn another, you know, chance to re-up. Um, that's always been on myself. That's always, you know, finding that chip on my shoulder, like the reason to have that chip on my shoulder, which, you know, some people told me that was a negative thing. I always thought it just the way to work harder. So uh, that, like, it's just a testament to, to how I work and how I think that, um, you know, as soon as I got my deal, I just um, just saw like the positives, you hear that, but the negatives just scream at me. And then people saying that I was overpaid. I'm not even that good. I, I didn't do this and that in Atlanta. Like, this is, why would you do this? You know, it's just now I need to work harder to really prove like that I earned that deal, like um, to, to meet those expectations, even surpass those expectations to where I can get another re-up. So um, that's kind of what I'm working for now, just making sure that I stay respected and even get, gain more respect around the league.
0: And if there's a fight to be found, you're gonna find it, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was actually thinking like two minutes ago, it just kind of, uh, I have a whole brand it's called like the ugly gang um and you know people it's, it's so it's kind of based i have a story with it. so basically in college some people had um i was at lunch and some of my teammates that were younger than me they called me over they they were asking for advice from girls they said do you good girls i said i don't i don't know i guess i do all right and Eventually they go, yeah, you get girls, but we're just wondering how you do it because you know you're ugly. And I was like, whoa, these two guys clearly needing help on girls are calling me ugly. So I went to my dorm. and I looked in the mirror for about you know five minutes. I was supposed to be taking a nap in between um, class and, and and practice. And I texted my friends like, you guys were supposed to be there, and now I just got called ugly by these two ugly dudes. So I must be ugly. So I'm looking in the mirror. I'm like, you know what? I remember the times we you know, or all the times you know, girls, you know rejected me or they chose another teammate over me or all this and that but i could see how i could be ugly but at the same time like they're asking me for advice on girls so it must be working so it's the same kind of thing like i'll doubt myself but it's like i have a confidence in myself that i don't really care like um i I know what works for me works for me and so we named ourselves we had a my friends named ourselves the ugly gang after that and i started a brand you know you got (laughs) to everybody, or There was a song back in the day It said ugly acronym for you got to love yourself gang. So we just have a whole bunch of slogans on the back. And then the logo is the the ugly duckling, which is like, uh, you know, obviously he was told a whole bunch of stuff in his life. But at the end of the day, he was a swan. Even when he was like his as duckling, like at the end of the day, he was a swan, a beautiful, dope ass bird. So, you know, no matter what they say, no matter how I show up, I know who the I am. Ah, I'm sorry, I'm just less, I'm less rambling now. Nah, go, on. Um, I <laughs> go I on. Family, I at the end of the day, like whatever works for me works for me. And uh, there's a swan in all of us, you know, however they label us on the outside, we know who we really are. Um, but that's really like kind of how I approach life now. It's like a whole bunch of negative thoughts, but I know what I can get to, and I know who I can be as a player.
2: I just you know that Carrie lasts, you know, it's it's yeah. <laughs> it's it's I'm actually curious of like how. I don't want to assume, um, but uh, folks from Nigerian culture, Nigerian background, um, you talked about your parents being really um, adamant about you chasing education. Um, I'm sure that they have come around to, you know, um, supporting you in, in in the pursuits of what you want and seeing you, you know, reach the highest of the high with education. Now seeing you reach the highest of the high as far as your professional career and playing. Um, at the times when you do feel any sort of doubts or you're starting to second guess yourself, is there a role? What What does your support structure, um, your family structure, play in, in kind of holding you down, keeping you grounded, keeping you focused on you know some of these good qualities, these good motivations that you have in your mind as far as continuing to prove yourself, continuing to show that you
1: want that person? My dad and my mom. My mom, first of all. I just think it's so crazy that, you know, she prays for me every time I come home and every time I leave. She prays for my health and my safety. She prays for my success. And um, re- anytime I'm really feeling down, she calls me and then, let's say I say I'm feeling a little bit stressed, she just prays. And, and I, you know, religion, you can take it for however you want, but just having that, like, when you start believing, like, all right, she's praying, so I'm going to be protected. Like, I haven't had any serious injuries in the NFL yet obviously I've had a serious injury in college, but even she prayed that I come back stronger and and everything. So when you kind of put your faith, um, into those prayers and stuff, not saying that, you know, it's technically, I've learned how to protect myself with all, all types of things. So not saying it's God, you know, doing it, but when you really believe that, you know, you're going to be protected and stuff and I have that faith and confidence in it, like things really can work out for you. And then my dad, he, he does a good job of keeping me humble and, um, he's 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 definitely the one that kind of had to flip um first my mom and when i was in little league football i only played for two years my mom didn't want to play me to play because she heard of injuries and stuff um eventually she ended up just loving me playing sports whatever sport it was my dad he used to tell me in college that just protecting me uh because obviously my brother was smarter he went the finance route um i would you know i did well in school as i said but uh, I said I wanted to play football and uh, he told me that there were no professional athletes in the house. And that's just because, you know, he saw how I love basketball. And then I was pretty good at basketball. But at the end of the day I'm six one and a half, uh playing shooting guard, off guard. And there they are six four, you know, six seven now, like mm. dunking windmill and all that stuff. I could dunk and stuff, but you know, I got to make the I wouldn't go make the NBA unless I really put a hundred hours of practice a day in. It was only 24 hours a day. So he's over there telling me like, yeah, there's probably no pros. Like, focus on your school, like making sure getting the good grades and getting to the internships. Just do whatever you need to do in order to put yourself in the best place for after college. Well, when I said I'm going to go out to Denver, you know, he made, made sure I sat down and said, is "This really what I want to do." But as soon as I left, he, you know, said, "If this is what you want to do, he just wants to be to be successful." So he put all his, you know, positivity into the football. So. And that was just so happy for me to see that any any path I chose, I think he did learn from my brother because at first he wanted my brother to be pre-med. You know how that goes. And then this didn't work out. But as soon as he became financed and he started doing really well, he was happy. So if I was to do really well in football, he's going to be happy. Um, so that was really the only goal for him. So if I chose that path, just you know, make sure I'm the most positive, make sure that um, I do the best that I can. And obviously he told me, he told me when, as soon as I left for Denver, he said, no, maybe as soon as I left for Atlanta, after I got drafted, he said, you know, I know nobody knows you now, but if you just do what you need, you're going to earn that um, respect that you're always after. And he said, I actually have a tattoo on my back. You don't even know about my tattoos for real. He said, your name shall be heard. not And not even like to be famous or nothing, just your name shall be heard. Just the Aluican name. Like that's always been our thing. Like he came over here whenever the 80s. Um, as an immigrant on his own and eventually brought my mom over and everything was, you know, geared for my brother and I's success. And uh, in order for us to be where we are today, uh, my brother doing really well, just graduated in business school at U Chicago uh, booth and he got an offer in St. Louis. And then me finally signing my second deal here is just that a testament to to us as the Aluokan, like really on uh family that I have here. I think there's some others around the, The country somewhere, but that really directly relates to us. It's only four of us here, and um, you know we're just trying to start us up, you know, from the ground up. And uh, he said, "Your name shall be heard," saying that I'm going to be successful in whatever field that I that I do. So um, it's just that positivity, that that support, that really just ushers me forward, saying like, I have no chance to fail. Like I'm not going to fail them because they've done everything that they could. To get us to this point, which was like they were low, and now we're at zero. And that's all we needed, was just to be having an even playing field. And then once we got that, um, sky was the limit. Yeah, they'd appreciate the tattoo
0: reveal uh on camera. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Hopefully Dad gets a chance before are released. Um <laughs> so we just, that out <laughs> no, Boy, you, you, You've, you've given us a lot of gems. Um, if, if you had to kind of summarize uh, some some advice you would have for folks who want to be in your position, who are coming up, what would you say to them?
1: People coming up in my position, I say, for an athlete, be coachable. Um, mm-hmm. Especially for from a coach that you trust, like listen, really, because they'll they'll give you the answers to the test, and it's really on you to to uh, use them. Um, obviously, there's always a way to a chance to get better. But when when coaches say you need to step left and you decide to step right, I just don't understand how you think you're gonna be successful. Um, if you really uh, trust somebody's opinion on you um, and then use that to continue to better yourself, that's really how to keep moving up in in the in the ranks. And then off the field, it's just I don't ever like to blame people for making stupid mistakes because obviously I made stupid mistakes too, but. Um, it really takes one that, that gets gets you caught and gets you down in, in, in bad light and stuff. So, um, but you just have to be as smart as you can out there and really understand that, you know, one mistake, that's what I'm saying, could really, you know, knock you off your whole path. And then obviously, like I said earlier, we focus your energy on something off the field. It's harder to make it on the field. Um, so, you know, be smart and really put yourself around the right people. Uh, because if you, if your friends, you kind of average your five friends. If your friends are all doing well, you're probably going to be doing well too. Uh, because you know, if you start doing poorly, your friends are going to try you. They're going to say, "Why, why aren't you doing well?" Like that's just weird. Like when I see people that aren't doing well, and I see their support group, I see their friends, you know, not doing well too. You're going to think it's okay to not do well. Um, you know, if I, all my friends are doing pretty well in their respective uh, fields. And if I would start to slack or if one of my friends starts to slack, we're saying, why Why would you do that? You need to get your life together. No matter if they want to hear it or not. I mean, as good friends, we're going to say, you need to get your life together. You need to do things better. And um, just even hearing that from guys that you grew up with, guys that do peers, the guys that, you know, you've seen at the lowest, the lows. Now they're up there telling you, yo, you need to do better. Like, you're going to feel like, oh shit. Like, what am I doing here? I need to do better. So that's kind of my advice. surround yourself with the right people and then be coachable and, um, listen to people. Yeah, and
0: I would add to that from the coaching standpoint or the provider standpoint. As we're you know talking to providers who are going to be treating athletes to uh, have some grace, right? Try to take all the good and the bad. If you see someone who's putting forth the effort, and the focus, and the sacrifice, like folks with, like 4AR, um, give allow them that grace, and you know if they make a misstep here or there. Try to take the the sum total of their actions. Um, well, man, we, we we appreciate you so much for spending your time with us and, and giving us all the gems. Um, I know we can find you uh, on Sundays, uh, occasional Thursdays and Mondays. Um, any anywhere else you want to make sure people can can follow your, your track, your journey.
1: I have a website, my name koyeluiken.com. I think my agent Girl. puts like a whole bunch of interviews and stuff on there. Um, I sell my ugly gang clothes on there, my uh, <laughs> my merch. Um, then you know my Instagram, my Twitter. I don't tweet as much as I used to back. Like I used to be ruthless on Twitter, but now I feel like a little bit of people watch it. So. I'm not on Twitter as much, but I'm still on there, like, a lot, retweeting a lot, tweeting a lot. But uh, Foyalicious, which was a, a joke back in the day when I didn't have social media, somebody made that my name on their fake social media. So I took it after I started social media. But so Twitter, Foyalicious, and then Instagram is Foyalicious, too.
0: Okay. Well, we're, we're happy to have you, and uh, we'll follow you again uh, on our television screens, and, and we'll see where Foyalicious uh, is tweeting their Instagram from now time to time. Uh, thank you, brother.
1: Yeah. Thank you for having me.
3: Bless. Appreciate having you on, man. Thank you. Yep.
0: Thank you so much for watching or listening to our content today. Please like and subscribe to our YouTube and podcast channels and share this episode with your friends and colleagues. Also, follow us at Sports Psych ISSP on Twitter and Instagram, or you can find us on Facebook as the International Society for Sports Psychiatry. Are you a medical student, psychiatry resident, fellow in a psychiatry subspecialty fellowship program, or a psychiatrist who has completed a psychiatry residency program, interested in learning more about sports psychiatry? Join us and become a member of the ISSP. We have a free open source certificate of additional training in sports psychiatry program. For more information about our certification program, membership, or other inquiries, go to our website at sportspsychiatry.org